Hallelujah. Well, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. I want to... Oh. The what? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Father God, we pray for the veterans right now. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, we pray you would, Lord, let your healing flow upon them, Lord God, that you would strengthen them, Lord God. We thank you for their service. We thank you how, Lord God, that you have used them and are continuing to use them, Lord God. We thank you, and we are thankful, Lord God, for their sacrifice and for this country. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, I'm just telling you, I got eight full pages here, so if you guys want to be here until two, we're good to go. Anybody else? (laughs) All right, because I'm getting through these eight pages, all right? Here we go. I love it. I love it. Good stuff. Here we go. Romans chapter 6, 1 through 6. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. But just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly also, uh, certain we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. With this being Independence Day weekend, I felt it was perfect timing to talk about freedom. Amen? One thing you need to know is this, is that freedom is never free. Freedom is never free. Someone, as was just pointed out, someone has paid the price for that freedom that you and I enjoy so much. Amen? The freedoms that we enjoy in this country were paid for by the sacrifice of someone willing to put their life on the line. To preserve that freedom that you and I enjoy. Amen? Someone had to, think about this. Someone had to press through the fear and boldly confront the enemies of freedom. Do you understand this? Someone had to do it. So on this July 4th weekend, we are celebrating the Declaration of Independence. Amen? Brought to you by individuals that did have firearms, by the way. Amen? Second Amendment. There's a reason why a certain political party is wanting to get rid of them. Do you see the junk this, this political party is trying to do? Come on, somebody. Come on. Amen. You have any Second Amendment? Do n- never let go of that Second Amendment. Amen. Because it was, it was the, the firearms. It was coming against the tyrannical government back in the day. Come on, somebody. You're not going to hear this from many pulpits. Amen. But in the same way, spiritually speaking, the Lord Jesus Christ, he laid down his life to make it possible for us to be in right standing before God. Amen? Through through faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. The title of my message today is Keys to Spiritual Freedom. Keys to Spiritual Freedom. The Holy Spirit spoke these words to me. You ready for a little revelation here? 
Here we go. The Holy Spirit spoke these words to me as I was praying about this message. He said, freedom demands responsibility to the ones that partake of that freedom. Responsibility to maintain that freedom. Amen? Go to Galatians chapter 5 with me. Galatians chapter 5. We are off to the races, ladies and gentlemen. The plane has now took off. We are airborne. Sit back, relax, enjoy the flight. The stewardess will be around in a moment. Now, okay, here we go. Galatians 5 verse 1. Here it goes. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again. Say again. With the yoke of bondage. This is the point that the Holy Spirit is wanting us to be aware of today. Are you ready for this? This is the heart of this message. We as, we as Christians have been called to freedom through Jesus Christ. Do you agree with that? We are no longer slaves to sin like the unsaved that we just read in Romans chapter 6. Amen? Now, what is sin? Sin is this. It's missing the mark. It's, it's a transgression or the breaking of God's moral law. Amen? Now, many Christians think, listen to this. This is, this is where we got to straighten out some thinking. Many Christians think that God did away with sin, that it's no longer possible for a Christian to sin. There's some people who believe that. Um, they, they think, you know, say greasy grace. Yo, someone just got a revelation bomb there. Now, like sin just doesn't exist anymore for a Christian. But some Christians, they view grace, say grace, as a license to do whatever they want. But I'm here to tell you today, that is simply not true, somebody. The true grace of God, number one, here it is, you ready? The true grace of God, number one, is that while mankind was cursing God... Why they hated God, he sent his son Jesus to this earth to be, to take the punishment for sin. Are you hearing me? Come on, it's getting quiet in this little white church. Come on, somebody, amen? We did nothing to earn, like, you know, God didn't say, okay, you did enough good works, I'm sending Jesus. We could do nothing good that would ever earn him to send Jesus. He did it. Because of his grace, because, because of his love. Amen? I mean, it's kind of like a child treating a, a parent with disrespect and treating them horrible. But the parent still provides or blesses for what that child needs. Are you hearing me? That's grace. Kids, that's grace. When you're treating your parent like dirt, but they still bless you. That's grace. Amen? Secondly, the grace of God is when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, He cleanses us of sin, our sins. Amen? He cleanses us, our spirit man, that sin nature. But the Holy Spirit comes along and He lives on the inside of us to live holy now. Say grace. See, some think that God did away with the Ten Commandments. Some think he did away with living holy on this earth. That you can do whatever you want and it's all good to go because thank you, Jesus. Wrong. Oh, I'm here to slay some sacred cows this morning. Ready for this? Anybody want some steak this morning? 
Through Jesus, God did away with this, the sacrificial laws. Because guess what? You and I don't have to go out and kill an animal today. Aren't you glad about that? I may kill some sacred religious cows, but thank God we don't have to go and get bloody killing any animals out there, right? But he did away with his sacrificial laws, but he never did away with his moral laws or his commandments. See, Jesus became that perfect sacrifice to bring you and I back into right standing with God through him. Amen? Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. This is probably a message you're not going to hear at a seeker-sensitive church. I'm just saying. Amen? Uh, 1 Peter 1, 13 through 6. But you've got to understand something. God has us preach this message to, to get our focus back on track, track, to keep our moral compass straight. Amen? He's not out to beat us. He's, he has us preach these messages, and I'm preaching to myself as much as I am preaching to you and those watching online. This is for all of us. Amen? 1 Peter 1. 13, it's because of his love. If he, never, if he never said anything, we wouldn't know, right? Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, your thought life. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. As underlined it, obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust. So you see there's a comparison there. Obedient children and not going back to the pig slop you came out of. Amen? As in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy or set apart, you be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. He took a verse from the Old Testament and he's confirming it in the New Testament. God still expects us to obey him. Come on, somebody. Don't conform yourselves to the former lust, the former desires you once had before coming to Christ. Don't live a life of sin that you did B.C. before Christ. See, your faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit within you should show it's a little thing that we call evidence. It should show evidence that you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen? Say new. I want you to notice that we have a choice to choose righteousness over unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is sin. I know, I know, I know sin is not a popular word but it's still in the Bible. Come on, somebody. We are not robots that, act, that automatically do righteousness. Amen? In fact, did you know an unsaved person, someone who has not made Jesus Lord of their life, who does something good, they think they're earning favor with God by doing something good. Do you know what the Bible calls that? A dead work. A dead work. Anything outside of Christ that you try to do that you're thinking, no, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I don't need Jesus. The Bible says it's dead. It all starts with the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Amen? See, we have a free will. God's given us a free will. And that must be committed and submitted to obey the Word of God. 
We must, here's what it is. We've been called to freedom, but we must use our freedom to choose the will of God. That's the conundrum right there. Many Christians say, well, I'm free to do whatever I want. No, 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 no. You've been set free to choose God's way. God's not looking down saying, saying, okay, let's make a deal. He's saying, this is the deal. Come on, somebody. Galatians 5.1 says, we must stand fast. In other words, don't move. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And then it says, do not be, all this word, do not be entangled. Don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, I talked about what a yoke was at the healing service because the enemy puts a yoke on people that we are, the anointing destroys, right? But a yoke is something that is, that you're tied to. You're like a slave to it. Something that exercises hard control over your life. That is a yoke. And he says, don't go back and entangle yourself. Let me give you an illustration that I think this will make it very clear as mud to you. Okay, you ready for this? Here it is. It's the same concept of a man that's in prison. The man in prison, he's, you know, this is the man I'm likening to as an unsafe person, a man that's in a prison, right? I'm not saying everyone's unsafe in a prison. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, it's an illustration that this person I'm talking about in a prison, it's an unsafe person. They have no freedom. They are a slave to that prison. They are a slave to the guards. Are you following me so far? But now that man gets released from prison, right? Now he has freedom. Now he has a choice. He can choose to live righteously, abiding by the laws of the land, and stay out of that prison and never go back. Or he can use that liberty, come on, to break laws and get sent back to prison. This is the Christian life right here with this illustration. You can, it is possible for a Christian to entangle themselves again and get pulled back into that bondage of sin. Are you following me? This is why the Holy Spirit warns us. By the way, when the Holy Spirit warns us of something, you better listen up. Because the reason he's warning you, because he's saying, this is going to be a temptation for you and I. This is going to be a temptation. This is why the Holy Spirit warns us in Galatians 5.1 not to entangle ourselves in the yoke of bondage. Don't go back to spiritual prison. He's talking, by the way, he's talking to Christians, not to the unbeliever. Think about that. The Word of God says that in the last days, many would have itching ears. Say itching ears. In other words, they will only want to hear messages that satisfy their flesh. I only want to hear messages that don't come against sin, especially. Come on, amen? I just want to hear something that's going to tickle my flesh, and that's it. Many will be closed off to the truth of the Word of God, especially the topic of sin. See, here's what I want to say right now. With eternity, our eternity is hanging in the balance and it's a safe place to be in a local church that where the pastor's preaching against sin. Did you know that? I said eternity is hanging in the balance. 
Did you know every and any move of God, revival that's ever happened in the past? Do you know those ministers always preached against sin? And when they, they preached against sin, guess what happened? The Holy Ghost fell. Convicted people of sin. Bars closed down. Come on, somebody. Strip jo- joints closed down. They closed down. All the junk closed down. And everybody wanted to be in the presence of God. But he was preaching about sin. You will find no move of God where the preacher never talked about sin. See, when a pastor or a preacher preaches about sin, you know what he's given? He's given the Holy Ghost an opportunity to convict every person of sin. That's what we need. No person can be saved without knowing that, number one, I am filthy with sin. Come on, right? Even Isaiah, when he had the encounter in the glory of God, you know what the first thing he said? God, I am undone. I am filthy. I am undone. And that was the prophet Isaiah. Amen, somebody. It is needed for all of us to be reminded of the trap of sin. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message. Come on, people. Let's get, let's, let's get our stuff together here because God has more for us. And if we want to be used to bring revival to this area, we better clean up our life. All of us. Amen. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Someone posted a meme on Facebook this week. It said, it's okay. You should be in a church where you squirm in your chair once in a while. It's good for us. We all need to be stretched. Amen? See, it's the people who avoid that that have the itching ears. And guess what? They have the potential to go astray. Eternity hangs in the balance. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful. Here's that word. Unholy, unloving. Unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors. Anybody ever know a traitor? (laughs) Headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Oh, let me, oh boy. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Now, the Holy Spirit is warning us that these things will increase in these last days. I don't know if you know it or not. We're in the last days. I'm not saying Jesus is coming tomorrow. He could. But I'm saying we're in the last days right now. Eternity hangs in the balance. He says from such people that are in these things, because they will influence you to fall in the same trap, avoid them. Listen to this. For, uh, the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habit, habits. My question is, who is in your inner circle? 
Who's in your inner circle? I guarantee you this. If you have a sin problem, you have an inner circle problem. And that is why getting connected to a solid Bible-believing church is so important. That is why godly fellowship with each other outside of these four walls is so important and should not be neglected. Amen? Turn the page, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. You getting anything out of this? This is not a condemnation word. This is a, hey, come on, people. Let's get on board with what God's doing type of a message. Amen? Someone once said, and I said it last week, if you feel like your, your toes are getting stepped on, they're in the wrong place. Meaning you better get them back on God's territory is what it's saying. Now, 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke. People don't like that very much, do they? Exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine or teaching or the word of God, but according to their own desires, because here's the, here it is, they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, say me, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. Now, so the time will come that people will not endure sound doctrine or beliefs. Have, have you kind of watched the news lately? I don't know. Right? These pronoun things, right? He, them, they. You know, there, there's examples in the Bible where demons spoke out of a person and they said, my name is Legion for we are many. It's demonic. Yeah. Amen. Are you hearing me? The Holy Spirit told, uh, through Paul, told Timothy, a young pastor, to do the work of an evangelist. Now, I've read that for years here since being saved. And I, I, I kind of got it, but as I was doing this message, I was like, Lord, give me just a little more insight about that. What do you mean a pastor do the work of an evangelist kind of a thing? And the whole, you want to know what the Holy Spirit said? All right, number one, first of all, an evangelist is one of the five ministry gifts. Um, and they, they, they love to get people saved. Every Christian should. But an evangelist, everything, salvation, salvation, there's like that drive and desire that, that they're not resting until someone makes Jesus Lord of their life. Amen? They, they, walk, they walk in miracle signs and wonders too. But primarily, man, their passion is getting people born again. Amen? We should, like I said, we should all have that desire. Don't leave it all on the evangelist. Come on, right? But the Holy Spirit spoke this to me in my spirit about a pastor doing the work of an evangelist. Here it goes. He said, a pastor is also called to do the work of an evangelist because there will be many people that come into your services that are not saved. Okay, we get that, right? He said, I am instructing pastors not to neglect the salvation message and giving the unsaved an opportunity to respond to it. He goes on. You want to hear more? He said this, many think they're saved, but they're not. <laughs> Whoa. 
That is why I instructed Timothy to convince and rebuke in connection with those people that are full of pride and deception. Now, it goes on a little bit more. You want to hear a little bit more? Here we go. He said, I instructed pastors to be watchful in all things and to look for signs of abandonment from the faith and to uh, endure afflictions because, here it is, because persecutions will come, here it is, for preaching holiness and against sin, and there would be a temptation for pastors, for leaders, to back down from that message. That's why. Do the work of an evangelist, pastors. Don't back down. Don't back down from that message. It's, that's the seeker-sensitive message, is when they back down in a way because it's a little too offensive. Oh, Pastor James is talking about sin today. You know, three or four or five people might not come back. Sorry, I'm his ambassador. No one else is. Amen. And on top of that, my true love for you motivates me to talk about this issue. Amen. What kind of a path? You know what? The day I stop talking about sin, you guys can me. When I stop talking about these hard messages that challenge us, get rid of me. Amen. Because I'm useless. I'm no good. Amen. But it's never going to happen. In the New Testament, listen to this. In the New Testament church services or meetings, there is a mixture of saved and unsaved people. Now, in the Old Testament, only those Jews that were in covenant with God, believers, came to the church, those, meet, those meetings, we'll call them, the synagogue. Are you following me? So now there's a different dynamic in the New Testament. This, this, right now, someone in here is saved, someone in here is not. There's a mixture. Amen. And I hope you're all saved. Amen. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Hallelujah. The Word of God is good. Amen. Don't shut your, yourself off from harder messages and messages about this. Don't do it. The more you put yourself in an atmosphere of these kind of messages where the Holy Spirit is moving, your heart's going to change. It might be on. Go ahead and squirm a little bit. These pews are comfortable, by the way, aren't they? I like those. Yeah, that's why. Go ahead and squirm a little bit. It's all good. I'd rather you squirm now than be in an eternity in the lake of fire. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3, it says this. Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, (laughs) speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, Forbidden, forbidding to marry and commanding to ex- abstain from foods which God created to be, be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know, who know the truth. Now, this passage should scare hell right out of us. This passage should scare hell right out of us because the Holy Spirit, it says, expressly or explicitly is saying, he's trying, I mean, he's got a bullhorn. He's trying to let us know. Don't think that a Christian cannot depart from the faith. It says, some shall depart from the faith. I don't know about you, but it's only possible to depart from something you were once in. 
It's only possible for an airplane to take off from an airport, depart from an airport. They were once in. Hello, somebody. That should scare the hell right out of us. The Holy Spirit, He's saying in the last days, some are going to give heed to seducing spirits or evil spirits. So the devil's working overtime to speak into your mind. Now, the enemy's always trying to speak, right? The enemy's always trying to come into our thought life, right? But it says that they will give heed. Do you know what that means? It means instead of doing this, letting the devil talk, it means you do this. What? What's that? You're giving him place. You're giving him place in your thought life. You're, you're, here it is, you're yielding. You're slowing down. What? Oh, okay. And then you get, start to get sucked into this doctrine of demons that pull people away from the truth. Now, go to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 3. And let's look at verses uh, 4 through 6 here. So remember, it says, Some shall depart from the faith. To depart from it, you once had to be in the faith. All right? Remember that. So here we go. Revelation 3, 4 and 6. (laughs) It says, You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. And they, have, they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not, look at this, this, is, this should scare hell right out of us right here, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Amen. To be blotted out means you were once in. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, not itching ears, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's possible to have our names blotted out or erased from the book of life. This once saved, always saved? Nope. Nope. It's not even biblical. There's too much evidence. And I asked the Lord that. I said, Lord, give me a little bit more insight about this, right? He said this, the Holy Spirit said this to me. Do you want to know what he said to me? He said, just as a spouse can break the covenant and be unfaithful and walk away from you, the same can happen in the church. A person can walk away and divorce me. (laughs) Wow. That, I mean, is that not sobering? Amen. Wow. Only a person that overcomes, that doesn't defile their garments will be saved. You know what the word defiling is talking about? Who lives in habitual sin. There's no change. See, we've been set free by Jesus. Amen? Amen. To live holy for God. I think there's such a worldly spirit in the body of Christ as a whole that brought this whole worldly thing into the church that the early church didn't have. That we need to, to, oh, come on. 
God is calling his people to so much more of a commitment to him. Really, it's a joke what the body of Christ has turned into in the most part. Most people think that church is just a country club. You know, they confess the name of Jesus when it's convenient. I think there's going to be a rude awakening. And I'm telling you, this message, this is some good preaching right now. And I hope that this opens all of our spiritual eyes right now and spiritual ears. Too much of the world has crept into the body of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We don't have a clue. Think about it. We don't have a clue of the commitment that the early church had. We really don't. Man, we, we have it so easy. Too much world in the church. Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 31. I mean, people were killed for their faith. We don't even want to come to an hour of prayer. Are you hearing me, somebody? We don't want to turn the TV off and come to an hour of prayer, Pastor Paul. Pastor Karen, can you believe that? Now, I'm just saying in general in the body of Christ. In general. I'm not picking on anyone. But Hebrews 10, 26 through 31. Glory to God. It says this. Now, look at this. This is the New Testament here. Say New Testament. Watch this. For if we sin willingly, you could put the word habitually in there. It doesn't, do, it doesn't do any injustice to the word. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy (coughs) on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has, look at this, trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant, the blood of Christ, by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted, look at this, the Spirit of grace. What? This is the New Testament. For we know, for we know Him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge His people. Judgment begins, it says, in the house of God. There's a scripture. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I would venture to say that many things that happen to individuals open the door to the devil themselves. They're trying to rebuke the devil, but man, there's a door flung wide open letting the devil in. Close the door. Amen? At what, now, now here, now, and if someone's paranoid, at what point does someone lose their salvation? Ready for my answer on that? Only God knows that. Only God knows that. But I will say this about that topic. If your conscience has been seared with a hot iron, you know what that means? It means like, you know, McDonald's coffee, how hot it is. You keep drinking it, drinking it at first. It, oh, man, that hurts. You keep doing it, keep doing it. You keep drinking it. All of a sudden, 
You can't feel that hot coffee anymore because your tongue has been seared. This is what the Bible's talking about, your conscience. The voice of your spirit, man. Listen, if your conscience has been seared with the hot iron, as 1 Timothy 4 talks about, and you have no conviction of sin, and you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper into sin, this is what I'll say about that. You're on a dangerous path, my friend. You're on a dangerous, dangerous path when you get to the point that you just don't care anymore. That's dangerous. Now, I'm not saying that you will lose your salvation if you mess up one time. I'm not saying that. Don't put words in my mouth. Because God has made a provision that if you sin, look, go to 1 John 1. Let's go there. Look at this. I don't know. Some of you are like, oh, am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I? Right? Okay, calm down. If you still have a conscience on the inside of you, I would say you're doing good. But stop sinning. Start living for God. Amen? It's as simple as that. But look, 1 John 1, 8 through 10. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. So God makes a provision. If we mess up, He makes a provision. Praise God. Amen? But I want you to notice something about this scripture that the Holy Ghost jumped out at me. It says, if we confess our sins, meaning this, That you do it so little, you know when you have done it. Oh. Your heart is so bent toward God. So bent toward His Word. When you mess up, you know it. Now here's the danger. If you're living that habitual life of sin, I mean it's just habitual. And there's so many, you can't even remember. You better get on your knees and say, God, forgive me. I need to rededicate my life to you. Are you following me? Come on. This is a wake-up call from the Holy Ghost. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. Again, let me say it one more time because it's important. God expects us to live holy. If we mess up, you should know when you messed up. If you're on such a path of spiritual death in your life, that you, there's so many racking up, it's time for you to get on your knees and say, God, I need to rededicate my life to you. Are you following me? So don't walk in condemnation if you mess up. Be, but here's the deal. Be quick to confess and admit your sin to God. You know what that word uh, confess means? Admit. Admit it. God, I'm wrong. It's the person who doesn't do that. That's called pride. I'm going to live life my way. I'm going to do it my way. If I want to do it, I'm going to do it my way. Amen? But just admit, confess. Say the same thing as. If the Bible says what you did was a sin, confession means you're saying the same thing as what the Word says. Yes, God, I sinned. Forgive me. And it says He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Confessing your sin. 1 John 1.8 produces a spiritual fact, not an emotional reaction. Oh my gosh, uh, someone got that. 
confessing your sin to God because the enemy is going to try to throw it in your face all the time, right? Don't look for an emotional band-aid. When you confess your sin, it says right here, God is faithful and just to forgive you. So that's why you walk away in faith, even though your emotions don't feel it, you still feel bad and guilty. Walk away knowing God forgave you. He forgave you. Amen? So that scripture produces a spiritual fact, not an emotion. I said it last week. Do not follow your emotions. Your emotions will lead you astray every time. Now, go with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verses uh, 3 through 7. It says, Now by this we know that we know Him. Notice the Him is capitalized. It's talking about Jesus. Now, by this we know we know Him. If we say... Or if we keep his commandments, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk as he walked. Mm-mm-mm. Now that's interesting. Underline the love of God. Oh, love! We just accept. We just accept everything that the world brings into the church. Right? Wrong. The love of God will always be in line with the Word of God. See, here's what you got to know: the love of God. When it says to reach out to people in love, are you ready for this? The Holy Spirit told me this: love is your motive. Boldness is the method. People mess it up. Most people say love is the method. No, 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 no. Love needs to be your motive. Because there's some people you're going to save with that kindness. and so, There's other people you're going to save that, that you're going to have to minister to and say, Look, pal, you're on your way to hell. Right? Pastor Paul might be down in Cuba. The Holy Ghost boldness might come upon him where he's going to have to say, Look, you need to get rid of that witchcraft. And it might come off as rude. But his motive is love. Love is the motive. Don't confuse it. Love's the motive, and we're expected to be bold with the Word of God in the method. Amen? So I want you to notice that the test of knowing Jesus is if we keep his commands. Here's my point. It's impossible to know Jesus. It's impossible to know his commands apart from knowing the Word of God. If you call yourself a Christian, the Word of God better have a preeminent place in your life. In fact, it's impossible to even know Jesus apart from His Word. That's why you get some wacky, corny individuals, right? Who say, oh yeah, Jesus is fine with homosexuals. Jesus is fine with the whole transgender thing. Jesus is fine with abortion. Oh yeah, He don't care. They created what the Bible calls another Jesus, not the Jesus of the Bible. If they would simply get into the word, they would, they would meet the Jesus of the Bible. So as a Christian, if someone is a, comes to me and says they're a Christian, but they know nothing about the word, I call baloney. 
The first thing, when I first got born again, you want to know what happened, Pastor Paul? The first thing that happened to me, I got a hunger to get into the Word. I put myself in a room for hours reading the Word. I couldn't get enough of it. If you're a Christian, you're going to hunger for the Word of God. And that's where you truly get to know Jesus, from the Word of God. Amen? The Word of God is a tenderizer for your conscience. It keeps your spirit man sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It will warn you against sin. Psalm Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, there's some people who, who come to Jesus, but they don't know the word. They don't know that, you know, such and such is wrong. They need to know. They need to learn this. Amen? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. That's why we have to have patience, and, and that's why the Bible says to teach people. Now, once you try to teach them and they reject it, see ya. Bye. I'm done trying then. I showed you, and if you're choosing to go another direction... Amen? Once someone knows the truth, they're accountable for the truth. Amen? 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Are you guys getting anything out of this today? I'm almost done. Hang in there with me. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then it says this, underline it, Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals. Well, there it is right there. This is the New Testament. Nor sodomites, men having sex with men. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. You could not read through the Word of God, especially in the New Testament, and not notice that actions matter to our Heavenly Father. Amen? We are expected to obey the Word of God. So, I mean, listen, if you're having a power struggle, you know, shall you obey yourself or the Word? You obey the Word. You line up with the Word. The Word doesn't have to conform to you. You conform to the Word. Now, this list is given in the passage, uh, the list. It's talking about people that are not saved. This is, you know, so in other words, we're expected to stay away from this stuff. Quickly go with me to 1 Corinthians 10. Come on, don't lose steam on me here. We're getting through this. Don't lose steam on me. Come on now. All right. 1 Corinthians 10, 1... I'm not even going to tell you what I'm going to go through. All right, here we go. Moreover, brethren, (laughs) I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. He's talking about the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. We're all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. See, Christ was in the Old Testament too. It's a foreshadow. It's a shadow of who he is in the New. Amen? But with most of them, look at this. This is in the New Testament now. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. He's saying they died. All right? This is crazy, right? Now these things became our examples to the intent 
that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted and do not become idolaters. That means putting anything above God. God, you're not first. This thing's first. That's an idolater, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. 23,000 people died because of this, these sins, this sin. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, by demons. Nor complain. What? Complain is in this list too. Can you believe it? As some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Why? Because complaining is like a curse. It opens the door to evil spirits in your life. Now all these things happened to them. Why? As examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages come. Therefore, let him who thinks he, uh, he stands take heed lest he fall. In other words, you better be on guard, all of us. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common demand. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may, not, that you may be able to bear it. Now, so this passage is talking about the Old Testament and accounts. And it's putting it in the context of now. Say now. now. This, that's unbelievable. Now, tempting Christ means you're pushing the limit. You want to know what tempting Christ means? It means that you're confessing Him as Savior, but you're living a life of sin. You're tempting Him. You're daring Him. I dare you to judge me. You're pushing the envelope. Amen? Now, remember... The unsaved are slaves to sin, like we read, right? But we as Christians have been set free free through Jesus to willfully choose righteousness. This verse is driving home the point that there is no bondage, no temptation of sin that you cannot overcome. Amen? We can do it. We can do it. See, God doesn't play with sin, and we shouldn't either. Don't play with fire. I like to say this one right here. Don't give the devil a stick to beat you with. Don't give the devil a stick to beat you with. Quickly, go to Romans chapter 8. We'll finish up here. Romans chapter 8. See, I don't know about you, but I want to see a move of God. I want to see an outpouring in this region. I want to see... uh, So this is... I believe the Holy Spirit gave me this message so we could cut off every weight, everything that would try to hinder us, that would hinder Him from moving in Living Waters Chapel and for it to spill out that way. Amen? All over. Romans chapter 8. Look at this. There is therefore now no condemnation... To those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that... The righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk, notice this, 
who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Did you notice that? There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation to those who do not walk, uh, to those who are in Christ who do not walk according to the flesh. So apparently, walking in the flesh means that you are walking in sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. See, many quote that with only half of it. With only half. They just kind of, oh, there's no condemnation. But it goes on to say a little bit more. To those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good? But then it goes on. It doesn't even stop there. It goes on to say those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. See, it's talking about the, the fleshly struggle, the fleshly desires with your spirit, man. Amen? You know, this is, talking, this is not talking about the Holy Spirit here. This is, this is talking about your flesh and your born-again spirit, man. Now, how are they connected? The Holy Spirit lives in your spirit, man, so there's a connection there. But it's saying you're born-again spirit, man. Are you following me? See, here's the deal. I want, don't ever forget this. You walk away with anything, remember this. There are two sides of righteousness. It's like a coin. There's two sides to it. Jesus made us righteous by our faith uh, in him, by his finished work. Amen? But then God talks about righteousness or our obedience to walking in the word of God. Amen? So we need both. Say it's a coin. So just remember this. Church, I really wanted to plant this in in your spirit today. That we are called to freedom and liberty through faith in Jesus Christ. But make sure you're using that liberty to put God first. Make sure you're using that liberty to be a doer of the word. Amen? I want to make sure that every person that I shepherd and ministered to, I want to make sure that their names don't get blotted out of the book of life. Let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. That's my responsibility to preach the word. But it's your responsibility to accept it. Amen? Now, maybe there's someone in this place. You've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Listen, you can't do... If you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life, you cannot do one good work that's going to get you into heaven. It's only through Jesus Christ. Amen? If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life after service, just come on up and let's pray together. And let's, let's see you have a new birthday, the born-again experience. Amen? Maybe there's someone in here. Maybe you're the one that you said, wow, I made Jesus Lord of my life when I was three years old at at mom and dad's church. Uh, But there's no evidence now. If that's you, if you want to rededicate your life, if you feel right now, if you were to drop dead right now, if you don't have confidence that you would go into the presence of God, you need to come up here and pray. Let's just settle this. Let's rededicate or get born again, whatever it is. Let's just... Settle it with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Now, maybe there's someone here you never received the Holy Spirit baptism. If you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit baptism, come up. I want to pray with you to receive. Jesus said you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Amen? He will be a witness for Jesus. Amen? Powerful. And and there's personal benefits as well, obviously. Uh, Now, if you need prayer for anything else, I mean anything else, healing in your body, soul, whatever it is, uh, for a family member. I'm going to stay up here along with uh, the altar call team, and we want to pray with you guys. But guys, thank you so much. Visitors, 
Thank you so much for coming. Um, just to let you know, uh, Marianne and I, we're going to be in the Ludington area for a couple days here on this vacation. So if you message me and I don't answer right away, just wait longer. Okay. All right. Hey, we love you all. Have a great and a safe uh, Independence Day weekend. Amen. Remember to pray for Pastor Paul and Pastor Karen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend, everyone. Tuesday, phone call prayer and Wednesday prayer here. God bless.